This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station, KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Friday edition of the Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer here. And no producer Chris. Once again, gone, but uh, he'll be back next week. Uh, well, that's good. You- Oh, it's good. No, I said it's good that he'd be back next week. Oh, okay. Don't okay. turn this around. No, I, I, don't I didn't know him. what you were responding to when you said, well, that's right. good. So I, that's said, fair. Yeah, but, but I hey. only ever hear the last thing you say, so I was, you know. <laughs> that tracks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, some, some big-time Mizzou sports this weekend. Two sold-out games. Basketball tonight. Football tomorrow. It's turning out to be what could be an excellent weekend for Mizzou hoops and football and uh, we'll break it down coming up starting with the hoops game coming up tonight here in a few minutes as they take on Memphis and then Mizzou Tennessee for football tomorrow who you got tell us at 875-KTGR you can also uh, comment on our Facebook page facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show we'll get the uh, Vegas perspective from Rob Vino of wagertalk.com at 425 on on those matchups and also the NFL slates uh, of course, the big news of the day nationally is Jim Harbaugh getting suspended. We'll get to that and under the bus, and maybe a little bit later on in the show and get our thoughts on that. Uh, and you can text them into at 875-KTGR. And then Brendan and I will try to best producer Chris in the picks of the week. Hopefully nice. we have some sort of an advantage today with him being absent. But I say hopefully, not not definitely. Yeah, I um I think historically his picks have suffered when he was gone from the show on Friday, so I'm hoping that happens again this time. Okay. Well, yeah. If you go back towards, you know, recent history, then maybe that tracks, but uh we'll, we'll just have to see. 5:45 our picks of the week coming up. You can join us with a call or a text at 875-KTGR. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook too at facebook.com/KTGR Big Show. Now, the big show's big deal. Well, they announced it, I believe, today. Mizzou and Memphis for men's hoops tonight is sold out. All 15,000-plus seats bought up as the Tigers get set to take on the Tigers. Big non-conference matchup for both of these teams. Kind of a measuring stick. That's how Dennis Gates, or or really uh, uh, everyone around this game, is kind of describing this early on. And we'll see what uh, Mizzou can put together on the floor after getting a big win over Arkansas Pine Bluff earlier in the week. They broke 100 points, and ultimately the offense uh, showed how uh, deep it can be. We'll see if that uh, translates to Memphis here tonight. 8 o'clock tip-off. You can hear it on on 105.1 FM and 1580 AM KTGR, as well as online at KTGR.com. Mizzou football tomorrow also sold out against Tennessee. It kicks off at 2.30. And that is the Big Show's big deal on this 10th day of November, 2023. 875-KTGR. Call or text us here. 
This is, this is a pretty big weekend. It's shaped up to be one of the biggest weekends we've seen this fall at Mizzou. Yeah, it's a monster. It really is because you want to see basketball start off on the right foot. And for football, man, we're in the throes of it. We're in the thick of things because it's a huge game. This is uh, this is one that can determine a lot about how we're going to feel about this Mizzou football season looking back on it. It's been a lot of fun so far, but you lose this game and you know maybe drop one of the last two, suddenly – you're at eight wins, which is a step forward for sure, if that's the way it ends up going for the Tigers this season. However, there's still an opportunity for so much more, but it only comes to fruition or has a chance to do so if you win on Saturday against Tennessee. And look, there's there's uh, huge implications for, for that game for sure against uh, the, the Volunteers. You can keep your hopes alive for a New Year's Six Bowl if you win it. If you lose it, whoever loses this game is eliminated from that conversation. So, and for Tennessee, they they're highly motivated because the East is technically still on the table for them. They need some technically help. still, yeah, they need some help. But uh, they're they're keeping that hope alive. We'll see uh, what happens for that. But we'll discuss more of that football game coming up at five oh five. Give us your thoughts at eight seven five KTGR. But man, tonight, Mizzou hoops taking on Memphis. I don't know what might translate over from that last game. I sure hope the shooting prowess for Mizzou, uh, especially 40% from beyond the arc in that first game against Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, again, that's that's just shooting. That's uh, That plays against any type of opponent, good or bad. If that can carry over, then Mizzou, I think, can, can certainly get a, a good signature win early uh, in this conference or in this non-conference season. That said, I am a little worried maybe defensively about what this team can maybe hold up with, at least early. Yeah, I mean, they want to run, and we know that, and that's, you know, they're okay with what that looks like. They don't, I don't know how much Dennis Gates minds. I know he probably felt the fouls were a little sloppy in game one against Arkansas and Pine Bluff, but like the reality is when you run enough to score 100, your opponents are going to get a lot of possessions as well, and they're probably going to score a decent amount. So, I, it's it's kind of that balancing act that I think Dennis Gates is going to have to find. The The one concern is that last year he had four, five, six games to really hone in on what that was going to look like for his brand spanking new team that he coached a year ago before he had to play a tough game like this one. And pretty new team again this year, Andy, but only one game to kind of ramp up before you really have the rubber meet the road in this matchup. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is, this is what you wanted, essentially, you wanted this early test. I thought Dennis Gates put it pretty well the other day, like saying, look, this is this is an early sign of where we are uh, as a team at this point in the season. It does not it, – it's certainly a great win to get, and they're going to try and get it as much as possible. If you lose it, though, it's not something necessarily to overreact to. Like, your season is certainly not in the tank if you're, if you're losing this game. Like, you, you can – you can bounce back from this with uh, further games down on the schedule. But I think it's very key that Mizzou can maybe learn a little bit more about their team this early in the year to help them for future games coming up, like you know Illinois or Minnesota or, heck, Kansas. Like they, they played nine games where they had the clear upper hand over their opponents before they played Kansas, and then it was kind of a wake-up call, right, last year. I think now they have a chance to maybe get that wake-up call a little bit earlier or at least find ways to uh, to, to improve their team when they know that they're going up against quality opponents and, and they're starting to exploit things before you get to those big-time matchups. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the way you frame that, though, is with maybe the suggestion that Mizzou could lose this game. Or, like, I know you're not making the well, direct comparison <laughs> to the— You're right, right, right yeah. but let me, let me explain, though. The Kansas game last year, they were underdogs, probably not by as many points as they should have been. The Mizzou is actually favored in this game, and that number has moved a little bit more toward the home team Tigers than I kind of expected. I see, like, three, three and a half. Um, and, and maybe that's not the most updated number, but that's what I saw this morning. And I feel like there is some level of expectation that, yeah, you're going to get punched in the mouth a little bit because this is a better opponent than you saw in your first game. But Mizzou is a team with pretty good talent. And if you do, like, yes, if you do get punched in the mouth and you lose this game, it happens a little quicker. It, it's it's earlier into the season than the KU loss was last year. That kind of represents the same thing. But I think this is, you know, that KU game, in our minds, we had built it up like a toss-up. It really wasn't. We didn't know it at the time, but Mizzou basketball wasn't quite ready for that test just yet a year ago. This time, I think they'll be more ready for the Memphis game. Doesn't mean they'll win it, but I think we'll see a a quality showing. It's just a matter of uh, can you get that really high-quality win for your your rankings and, and, you know, the net and things like that. As we talked with Gabe DeArmond earlier this week, he basically said, look, you lose this game, it's still better for your net than anything that happened in the first four or five games last year ever could have been by winning those games in blowout fashion. That's the thing we like about college basketball. They reward you for playing these types of games in the non-con. Mizzou's got a, a handful of them instead of just one or two like they did a year ago. I'm excited to just get a look at this team against an actual opposing team that could have designs on an NCAA tournament bid. We know that's usually the case for Memphis. Well, yeah, they're going to be in the mix, and uh, we'll see if Mizzou can can get the best of that type of team. Call or text us with your thoughts at 875-KTGR here at 411 on the Big Show, talking Mizzou and Memphis. You can tell us who you got for that one. Yo, interesting. Uh, Mizzou's going to face uh, a familiar guy, Javon Quinterly, on the Memphis side. He was he was at Alabama and then transferred over to uh, to Memphis. Six-one uh, guard that uh, can can certainly shoot it, and uh, you're you're trying to stop the dribble drive on that guy. Also, just Another thing to kind of keep in mind is that this Memphis team, uh, they handled their business pretty well against Jackson State, as you expect, but they're also a, a pretty darn good offense, and and they shot really well their first time out uh, around 39%. So it's I, I could see a lot of points in this game, honestly. Yeah, I, I haven't checked to see what that over-under looks like, Andy, but I'm kind of curious to, to get a glimpse at it. I, I kind of agree with you that this is one where you probably do end up seeing a lot of points on both sides, and I don't know that that is a detriment to Missouri because, again, if you give up 79 points to Pine Bluff, you are you know you're going to be in a, a bit of a shootout with Memphis, and I think you're okay living in that space. So, for me, it, uh, yeah, you you got to score with this team, but like that's the way Missouri wants to play anyway is by outscoring somebody and not, uh, you know, Conzo uh, Martin ball of, of try to get to 60 and then hold your opponent to 58. That's not really yeah. the way we're going to see Missouri play anymore, which is exciting. Um, but, yeah, I guess you could be concerned about the defense. Uh, to me, I'm more curious, will the scoring efficiency on offense be able to keep up with what the pace of this game is going to dictate? That's Because I know the defense is going to be bad. Can I just come out and say it? Like, Memphis is going to score 80 points in this game. Can you can you outdo that? That's oh, kind of my they, expectation. You think right away. You think they'll just go and put up 80? I do think that, again, I, I should probably check real quick on the, the over-under. I bet it's probably in the 150s, though, if I had to guess, Andy, which would put me going over on this because I do think – Missouri stands a, a puncher's chance or, or better to win this game against Memphis as a, a slight home favorite. But I think I, I doubt the sports books are ready 
for what's coming. And taking a look at it now, it is at 160. So I'm, I was pretty much spot on with that estimate. Like, I think Memphis scores 80. I, you know, Missouri minus two. So it's going to be kind of a coin flip game. I don't think it's a race to 80. I think it's a race to 84. And if you can, if you can score a little bit above 80, you might be able to be the team that wins this game. And that could lend to the belief that I think Mizzou needs to find who their primary guy is. Like last yeah, time or out, a couple it was, of guys at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like last time Whittle out, it, it was. Last time out, it was Sean East, uh, kind of carrying the load. And look, he was ultra efficient in that first game. Uh, I believe only missed one shot, and it was late. Uh, Tamar Bates was he was efficient, really efficient too. Yep. Uh, I mean. The shooting from the three, they were really efficient. Uh, Nick Honor was 40%. Like, I mean, you it's fine to spread it out at times, but I do believe that in a game like this where you're talking about, you know, back and forth type of uh, track meet that we could see in nip and tuck time when it gets down to the last five minutes or so, you have to kind of trust maybe one or two guys to at least handle the basketball or know what to do with it. Doesn't that take the shot? but knows what to do with the basketball in the key moments. That's why I love Nick Honor leading this team in minutes the first game played because I think he's probably going to lead the team in minutes all year. He is just such a reliable force out there on the floor, and as time goes along, he's going to learn just as he did last year which teammates he needs to put in the position to be the scorers and then take on that load yourself at times too. But I think he's such a heady player that he knows when to do which action. And, yeah, he's going to be the guy handling the ball in crunch time. Um for me, more so than even like a Sean East who could create his own shot and make his own play. But for this game, I almost would like to see it just be very Nick Honor heavy at the point guard spot, especially down the stretch if it's a if it's a one two possession game where you could take care of the basketball. Because as Dennis Gates talked to us before the season about Andy, um, rebounding is going to be what it is for this team, especially tonight with no Connor Vanover still due to the ridiculous NCAA suspension. Missouri's got to make up that deficit that we perceive is going to be there in other ways. Um, because of the style of play that they have, assist to turnover is going to be everything. Can you play that havoc defense where, yeah, you give up 80 points, but how many possessions and easy buckets did you steal? Because when you take a steal and you it's a run out for a, for a two, easy lay-in, that's a, like, the 80 that Memphis scores is not going to be as, as scary or daunting of a number because you know that the more of those possessions you have, the quick ones that allow Memphis, like it's like nothing even happened in a flash. Your score went up by two. Memphis still has the ball. It's just you did a little stuff in between their possession of the ball to get your score pumped up to where theirs is going to be. That's kind of what it's going to be for me. How many how many times can Missouri turn over Memphis and play into the fact that, hey, we want to play fast to, to have that number, that turnover differential, be where it needs to be at the end of the game? So give us your score predictions for Mizzou and Memphis tonight in men's hoops. 875-KTGR to call or text us here. Game is sold out, so if you're wanting a ticket for that game, you'll have to go to the secondary market, and uh, we'll be uh, tuned into it for sure. You can tune in at 7.30 for coverage of Mizzou and Memphis with tip-off at 8 on uh, on 105.1. I keep getting that wrong. 105.1 and 1580 tonight, as well as online at KTGR.com. You got a prediction? You you got a score? Yeah, I mean, I'll... I'll give you 84-81 Missouri. I think Missouri's going to pass this test. Maybe it's a little bit of a homer pick, an optimistic pick, Andy, because we don't know a whole lot yet about this team. Um, But you're not going to catch me picking against Dennis Gates in a game like this when we, you know, know. maybe we we find out later on in the season that, uh, yeah, you know, they haven't meshed quite as well as we want. It's going to take some time. We may learn those things, and it could be a work in progress. But for for the moment, you're giving me Dennis Gates in a a plan that he is, again, he really talked up Pine Bluff when that game – was was the first one on the schedule when we had our interview with him last week? Yeah, 
but reality says that he knows this Memphis game is one that at least internally you got to circle and know what the game plan is going to be for it. So I feel like he's going to be in a spot where um, his guys are going to be ready, and if not, they'll learn from that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Dennis in this one, uh, 84, oh, 81. Give me the over. Give me a really exciting game at Missouri Arena. I'll say it's a little less uh, high scoring than you are predicting, but I will also I go with a Mizzou win. <laughs> okay. I will say 80 to 74. Now, you do recognize that they just gave up 79 to Pine Bluff. And I they, do. And Memphis is I an do. offensive team. That's a lot better than that one. I get but it. But I hear you. I get it. I, get it. I really like the over in this game, honestly. Yeah. I'm I mean, more confident in that than I am the result of who wins it. Well, I mean, that's a, it's a high total. I mean, I, yeah. I get it's it. A big, it's a big one. No, for it sure. It's a big number to get to, but, you know, both these teams do have the ability to get there, and we'll we'll, we'll certainly see. 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us to give us your score prediction, we'll get Rob Bino of wagertalk.com on with us in just a few minutes to talk the, the Vegas perspective. I do want to get quickly, we are going to get to it under the bus, but, man, this Michigan stuff. Uh, Jim Harbaugh apparently suspended for the remainder of the regular season, kind of. He can't coach kind on the side uh, on the sideline, right? He can still coach the team throughout the week. He can be at practice, everything like that. But just on game day, can't be on the sideline. So that's the Big Ten's response. Uh, the NCAA is still investigating. I believe. I don't know if they've actually weighed in on this. Is just the Big Ten saying, hey, "All right, Jim Harbaugh, you can't coach uh, the games anymore." Yeah, because there's a lot of pressure coming from those other athletic directors and coaches and people yeah. that were really upset because they feel like the way this has been an open secret in the Big Ten for a number of years, and now that it's kind of finally leaked out, however it's however it happened, however it originally emerged, the other Big Ten schools, they're out for blood, man. And they're like, look, I Michigan could win a national championship this year, and we feel like they've gained a benefit from this sign-stealing stuff to the point that they, that might not be the case that they'd be in the running for the CFP if they, if they didn't have this edge. So... I feel like the the Big Ten schools are out for blood, and that's why you see, look, if you're the commissioner, we talk all the time about Rob Manfred. He's at the service of the owners in Major League Baseball. Roger Goodell, same thing in the NFL. When you're a, a commissioner of an athletic conference in college sports, you're kind of at the service of each of those programs to try do do well by each of them. And when one member institution is trying to get one over on everybody else, and that's at least the perception. Michigan would say, well, they were doing it too, and this and that. But the perception is kind of reality in this case, and it's incumbent upon the Big Ten, they feel, to answer to the majority of those schools that are saying, dude, you got to do something, Kamish. And so uh, swift action, unprecedented swift action. Like, it is Michigan unprecedented. Has a, <laughs> Michigan has a point here. Like, this is not ever really yeah. – you're, you're deciding this in the middle of the season. This is kind of how, just... how I'm coming down on this. Like, I understand. Big Ten had to do something. Like, And whether it was speeding up the investigation, making sure that – we got to the bottom of what actually went down, who knew what, what went, what was, who was in charge of what, and why did it happen? Like, it's, I understand that part. I understand the schools are paranoid about it because now all of a sudden uh, they, they think their signs could, signs could still be, be, be stolen. But I don't know, man. It, it just sets a very dangerous precedent sometimes when you let a commissioner get this kind of power and then another situation like this comes up and he treats it differently or has to treat it the same way that he did before. That would be the concern. If yeah. you find out that everybody's doing it, how embarrassing is it that eventually over the course of time you got to suspend half your head coaches exactly. for three games right? For for what ultimately may just be like, 
oh, yeah, we should have given a slap on the wrist or we should have at least let the process play out. But I think mob mentality kind of wins because if you get – how many teams are in the Big Ten? Like uh, 14 right now? Is it 16? I, don't, I can't even I think keep track it's, of who's uh, in The unofficial number is 25, but I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. give but or let's take. Say you've, let's say you've got 13 ADs that are in your ear. Well, you've got to do something about this. These guys have been pulling the wool over our eyes for several seasons, and this Connor Stallions dude, they knew what was going on. And the Big Ten commissioner's like, I to I got to do something, or I'm going to have a hard life <laughs> in the coming weeks sure. from all these upset individuals kind of targeting their ire directly at Michigan. So I think from that perspective, I understand how this came to be in such a swift manner. And also, if you're the Big Ten, this has been a black eye on the season, and you're tired of hearing people talk about it. It's been in the news, and it's been a soap opera every week. It's something new that we find out about this thing, and you just want that carousel to stop spinning. And by Doing this, that's probably going to have minimal impact on, on on Michigan's program. Like not having him on the sideline for Ohio State, yeah, there, that could be a really troubling situation if it's a close game down at the end and you're Jim Harbaugh watching on TV going, man, I, I really wish I could call for this play or call for a you know fourth down conversion, whatever the case might be. So, yeah, maybe it does end up having some level of impact. I just think it's hilarious. And, and knowing Jim Harbaugh, do you think he knew about – like how much do you think he knew? About this situation. Oh, about the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Did, was he aware? Oh, my gosh. I haven't read into any of the documents. No, no, I know. But, but I'd but say... You, you'll never know. You, we're never going to get a definitive He answer. might have known in passing, at the very I, least, right? I think, and again, the kind of like in... Again, I'm, not, I'm honestly not trying to make a joke of this, but like with the Astros, there were people with the science-dealing thing that did have awareness, but they're like, I'm not really participatory in this. They it's didn't good stop for you. It. Like, they kind of knew. They didn't stop it. They like, knew it was good yeah. for them. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. It's not for me, but good on you if that's what you want to do. Like, that sort of thing. Maybe that was Harbaugh's level that was of awareness. More of the, that was more of the Jeff Luno approach to it, I think, sure. more than anything. Yeah, yeah. But, when yeah. you're the figurehead of it, you're like, I didn't start this, but, you know, my, my Connor Stallion's below me. My my yeah. Beltron or whoever. Exactly. It's kind of a cool thing if it helps us. And I guess, you know, it's probably other teams are science dealing. Like you can justify it as the, the head of that operation. Yeah. You can justify ways to push it out of sight, out of mind. But I think what it says about what the Big Ten is saying about it is we maybe don't really care how much you knew or didn't know. This is kind of an institutional control sort of thing. And this is going to set the precedent of like, look, it doesn't really matter if we find the evidence that, um, in a future case or, or something similar that the head coach knew or orchestrated it, make sure it doesn't happen because it's an embarrassment for us as a conference when it does. And so that's maybe why they're so swift with the punishment. They don't care whether Harbaugh knew or not. And that's, well, yeah. Michigan says, we'll investigate. We didn't know. Maybe that doesn't matter to the conference. They're making the point that, like, just please don't put us in this situation again. Oh, uh, and Michigan's already responded. They're saying that they're going to try and get a court order so that Jim Boy, Harbaugh can try uh, and coach this weekend. Uh, Man. Because he I he was on the plane. He landed in in uh, in State College today. Uh, what does he do? You Michigan think he goes State? to like a local bar to hang out during the game, or he's got another Connor Stallions with a cell be, phone on the sideline? You know what I mean? Like what, it would be. Do you double awesome. down on cheating? I, I would do it. <laughs> be like, try and get me now, Big Ten. I'm right here. It's so funny. Yeah, uh, just go on the sideline. <laughs> like, are they going to forcibly remove him? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is obviously not a suspension that Michigan has agreed to. When the last time they did, like, a self-imposed suspension for the other stuff Harbaugh was doing wrong, right. the players were like, free my God, Jim Harbaugh. And it's like, well, he agreed to that. That was self-imposed. Yeah. This time, what would happen if Jim Harbaugh, you know, khaki pants and everything, just walked on over to the sideline during the – that would be hysterical theater. I'd love to see it. 
Uh, please let it happen. 875-KTGR. Call or text us with your thoughts on the whole Michigan scandal. Jim Harbaugh suspended by the Big Ten for uh, the remainder of the regular season. At least he can't be on the sideline. He can still coach throughout the week. But we'll get to some more of that and under the bus at 450. Up next, though, let's get the betting angles around uh, this college football slate. That Michigan-Penn State game, now with maybe a little more intrigue than it already had. And uh, about Mizzou, Tennessee, the NFL slate, and maybe even a little early college basketball from Rob Vino of wagertalk.com. Next on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. You can keep getting your score predictions in for Mizzou Memphis. Big hoops game tonight sold out at Mizzou Arena. 875-KTGR. You can text in your thoughts on that. Uh, And we'll get to our thoughts on the big game tomorrow between Mizzou and Tennessee. And let's get the Vegas perspective on some of these big games this weekend with Rob Vino of wagertalk.com for sports from a Vegas perspective. You can find him on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports and go to wagertalk.com to read their great stuff. Robbie, how are you? I am good today, Andy. How are you doing? We're doing pretty good over here. Uh, let's, Let's maybe start with... Uh, that game tomorrow between Mizzou and Tennessee, top 15 matchup. Uh, Mizzou, a- after that loss, I-, I wonder how you maybe view Mizzou after that game against uh, Georgia. They were two touchdown underdogs. They hang in for most of the game. They make a couple mistakes down the stretch, and ultimately Georgia knows exactly what to do with that. So Mizzou didn't play perfectly, but still it results in a nine-point loss more so than maybe what odds makers thought. I, I wonder how... Uh, you maybe view Mizzou going forward and what maybe attention they got from that loss. Yeah, I think, you know, just from my own particular point of view, I think they did what I thought they could do, which was stay within that number. Georgia somewhat overvalued where point spreads are concerned this year. And Mizzou still um, a little bit, if we look at that 15 and a half number last week, somewhat undervalued. Um some of that has changed a little bit. There was not a lot of early belief in Missouri when they started to put this season together, but as it goes on, you know, it takes an awful lot, Andy, to prove to the betting public that you're actually better than what they perceived you to be or that you're actually worse than what they perceived you to be. Um, generally speaking, where betting markets are concerned, you know, they always treat these things as like a one-off. Oh, well, Missouri played well this, this week. They're not going to do it again next week. They're not going to do it again week. And then when you start stacking them, all of a sudden the attention comes your way. So that's why in my business you hope to be ahead of the train. Um, certainly offensively, I think we got ahead of it. And we'll see about this week. I, Tennessee, again, is not what they were expected to be to start the season in, in terms of dominance by any means. Um, so they, they've taken a whole different philosophy to their offense, maybe because Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker, uh, maybe because the running game's a little better, but I credit Josh Heupel with at least turning the tables a little bit and leading on his run game. So this is a big one for sure. Um, you know, in, in answer to your question, I think that the markets now believe in Missouri of course, we have that one huge injury lingering over top of that game, which is why there's really been not a lot of movement lately. There was some movement, I, would, I think it was yesterday, about 24 hours ago, toward Tennessee, anticipating no Luther burden. But if that news changes, this line will come right back. 
Yeah, we'll we'll have to see uh, a little bit of uncertainty around his status. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with Luther Burden coming up tomorrow. Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com joining us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Now all of a sudden this Michigan-Penn State game looks uh, pretty intriguing uh, once again. It already was intriguing heading in, but now with – uh, the suspension of Jim Harbaugh coming down all of a sudden. Michigan's trying to fight it. They're trying to get Harbaugh on the sideline anyway for tomorrow. I believe he made the trip. So, I mean, how do you maybe see any of this uh, outside noise or outside impact from the Big Ten and Michigan kind of fighting each other here, having any sort of impact on this game, if you think? You know, it's funny, Andy. I was just on a wager talk show, and after the show ended, this news broke as our show was ending. And then we hung around and had a little bit of a discussion. It, it is an interesting a timeline to announce it, right? I, Michigan is traveling. Let them make the flight and then go ahead and tell them that your coach is not allowed on the sidelines. Um, I don't know if that's to further stick it to Jim Harbaugh or not, but I think that the group I was with, the prevailing thought is that Michigan probably saw this coming midweek and probably is prepared to handle it in some way, shape, or form, whether or not they can execute it on the sidelines. I mean, they did have three tries earlier this season, right? against non-conference foes where they were huge, huge favorites, nothing like the caliber of Penn state were their opponents. So it does become a bit interesting, but I would think they're ready. Um, and again, the question comes into play, how much, does a head coach actually mean where the final outcome is concerned? I would think that Michigan's staff is savvy enough, veteran enough to be able to handle time, um, play calling, and all those types of things that could go on in critical situations. I'm going to think that Michigan will be okay. That doesn't mean I think they'll cover four points, but I think they'll be okay even if he's not allowed on the sidelines. Rob, I want to get into a conversation about a team that has been so enjoyable to bet this year, not because of betting them on the spread, though, but more your jurisdiction, which is totals. I'm looking at USC Oregon this weekend, and basically my philosophy has been recently when it comes to USC games, yeah, good luck getting me to, to think a game's going under with these guys. They've just been free because of how great their offense is and how terrible their defense is. But against Oregon, would you maybe have some level of concern that USC doesn't score with the Ducks this time to help it over that total in the mid to high 70s, or are we going back to the well this week? No, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you, and I had no problem whatsoever playing over 76.5 last week against the Washington Huskies. No problem whatsoever, but this Oregon defense to me is a little bit of a different breed, and when you're just tacking on one more loss to USC, I do wonder about the ambition, motivation, focus, all of that stuff here. To me, it all lies on Oregon's side. And, you know, truth be told, when Oregon played Washington, guys, I have to tell you, if that game were played in Eugene, I think Oregon is the winner by a bigger amount than what Washington won by in Seattle. So I think that highly of Oregon as far as Pac-12 teams are concerned right now. And to me, this number being placed in the same range as it was last week when USC played Washington is maybe a little bit too high. And it's hard for me, like you, Brendan, it's hard for me to say it. It's hard for me to get to the window with it. But I do think that under 77 might be the correct way this week. We saw Oregon, when focused and defensively um, 
with a motivation to shut down an offense. I think the first time we saw it was against Deion Sanders' team about five, six weeks ago when yep. Colorado was getting all the pub, and all of a sudden they couldn't move the football whatsoever. And I'm not saying USC won't move the football whatsoever, but I do think there's a lot of circumstances here that would indicate maybe they don't make it to 30 in this game. And if they don't make it to 30, 77 becomes harder to eclipse, even if Oregon does find the 42 range. So, I don't know. Oregon's more willing to slow the game down than Washington is to add another element to maybe wanting to play under. So I think I would be with you here. I've thought about it. I've contemplated it. Under 77 might be a good way to go. Yeah, you mentioned that Colorado game, Rob. That's kind of exactly what I was thinking of. Is like, are we going to see a redux of that one? So I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, very well. Uh, Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Uh, I got a quick one on uh, on the NFL, Robbie. I mean, I don't think I've seen a spread this big in a while. Uh, Cowboys and Giants uh, is around 17 points, and I'm even seeing in a few spots 17 and a half, which you just don't see in the NFL very often. But, my gosh, if there's any game that it probably fits, it's this one because I just don't know if the Giants can score, Robbie. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's the question. I mean, their quarterback situation is so terrible at this point in time that, you know, it was brought up, um, I think, to me earlier this week that in the second half of one of these last two games, Tommy DeVito wasn't even trusted to put the ball in the air more than once in the entire second half. Um, So they've got issues. I mean, you can't just turn around and hand off to Saquon Barkley. And we all know – what Dallas did the first time around with their pass rush against the New York Giants offensive line. So it's, it's so hard to make the case and you're right, Andy, in the NFL uh, league that really prides itself on one score games, you know, and if I can use the analogy of um, another network, but the NFL network's red zone show on Sundays, how crazy they go for fourth quarters and, Here's all the one-score acts, and then you see a 17-and-a-half-point spread, and you're like, wow, the NFL, that just can't happen. That must be a teaser price. But, I, you know, Dallas destroyed them first time around with their starting quarterback. I don't know what changes here. Um, not in the real business of laying 17-and-a-half in an NFL game, but I don't know how you could take it. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a, a pretty decent-sized number for sure, but the – Cowboys probably do have a good chance to cover that. We'll see. All right, Robbie, what's your what's your free pick that you like this week? I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff happening now. College football, NFL, and now with college hoops in the mix, what's the free pick that you like? Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, everything overlapping, Andy. I talked you off air a little bit about it, how it is in my world when all these sports overlap. Um, I'll stick to what the audience probably is paying too attention to right now, and um that would be college football. I just, I found this total between Oklahoma and West Virginia when it was 58 about 24 hours ago to be too low. It's since then been bet up to 59 and a half, 60. But West Virginia, to me, guys, is a team that's still undervalued offensively. It's a team that's been over the 35 point mark four consecutive weeks. They've averaged 505 yards per game over the course of the last four weeks in Big 12 play. And I don't know that Oklahoma's defense, you know, to start the year, first four games or so up until they played Texas, there was a lot of talk. Oh, Brett Venables has this defense figured out now. Here comes Oklahoma. And 
Next thing we know, Oklahoma has been shredded four games straight defensively. So I think the matchup works for West Virginia on the road. Garrett Green's been a revelation. And Neil Brown took him five years to figure out how to move the ball in the Big 12, but he's done it. And on the other side, I think Dylan Gabriel and company get theirs here. To me, this game was just priced too low based on perception of West Virginia, which I don't think the odds makers have a good grasp on, or maybe the betting public not a good grasp on. But they did bet this up a couple of points to 60. We need 61 to win, but I think it'll get there. Oklahoma, West Virginia, up and over 60 points. And, Robbie, you do give us a college football pick, which is really cool. I was thinking for a second you were going to do what your heart wanted you to do and give us some random college basketball game tonight because sometimes that's really what the heart wants. But I just had to give you trouble for that because I bet you were tempted if I had to guess. I was almost there, guys. I was just about to give you Abilene Christian and NC State. Oh, it is. Love it. Love it. I did it for Wager Talk this afternoon. Anybody interested, go ahead to Wager Talk TV. You can see me there doing it. But I was going to, Brendan, and I said, no, let me stop and just get what they want to hear. (laughs) It's always great stuff uh, from Rob Vino uh, at wagertalk.com. Yeah, go and check out. His great stuff over there, and you can find him here on Fridays here on the Big Show KTGR and on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. Robbie, uh, thanks again as always for for coming on. Enjoy the weekend and all the games uh, coming up uh, the next couple of days, and we'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. It is. 442 here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. If you think I'm a degenerate when it comes to like college football and stuff, college basketball is another animal. Oh, I, man. uh, I'm, I'm in hog heaven this week just because we don't know a lot about these teams yet, but man, it is a lot of fun to, to kind of get to know some of these small conference teams. Andy, I don't know if you caught it yesterday, but Kent State against James Madison was one of the most ridiculous college basketball games I think I've ever seen. If we get a chance later on to outline it. But if you're if you're out there and you were paying attention with some interest in this game as I was, you uh you know already what I'm talking about. I think it went like three overtimes and it yeah, shouldn't really. it should have ended in regulation. So anyway. Oh man. No, I didn't see it, but uh that's that's the beauty of this time of year is you'll get a random college basketball game that just goes five overtimes and everybody's just flying by the seat of their pants on this sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, gosh, it's back. I can't wait for March now all of a sudden because that's going to be hectic once again. All right. Under the Bus is coming up next. More on this Jim Harbaugh uh, suspension that just came down in the last few hours or so. We'll get more thoughts on that. And who you got? Mizzou, Tennessee. Big game tomorrow. Give us your score predictions. Text them to us at 875-KTGR. We'll talk about it at... 505. All after this live local sports center here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Yeah, The Big Show on KTGR, KTGR.com with the KTGR app. With Andy and Brendan, no producer Chris today, but he'll be back next week. You can text or call us with your uh, score predictions for uh, Mizzou basketball against Memphis coming up later tonight at 8 o'clock. And by the way... Uh, On3 Sports reported this, I believe. Uh, Joe Tipton, uh, specifically, of On3 Sports. You know, that five-star guy, Jaden Quaintance, that Mizzou is in on, trying to add to their number two national recruiting class for 2024. Yeah, he's Uh he's down to two schools, Kentucky and Mizzou. I know that second one. That second one is Dennis Gates. Yeah. It's down to two. 
We'll see what happens uh, with uh, with that five star. But man, if if Mizzou lands him, adds him to this class, you're talking about what that tops. I think anything that we've seen in the in like the star I, since we've been putting stars next already. to the names of these yeah. high school kids, right? It might already do that. Obviously, the Michael Porter class was so interesting, but again, yeah. that came together differently. It came together because Michael Porter. His coach gets fired at Washington, the place he was committed, and he, you know, Conzo was able to get him. And then everybody followed suit because they wanted to play with a generational uh, prospect like Michael Porter for a year. And they, you know, Mizzou basketball got to ride on that for a little bit, but the the momentum fizzled. This is organic. This isn't just, oh, we've got, you know, a player that y'all should come play with. This is like, we believe in what's being built here for the long haul. It's not to minimize what Conzo was able to do at the beginning of his tenure. But what Dennis has is potentially uh, unprecedented in terms of what Mizzou has the capacity to maybe do in the recruiting game here. Look, a long way to go with that recruiting, but with that recruitment of Jaden Quaintance, but Mizzou is squarely in the mix, trying to battle it out with Kentucky the rest of the way. So we'll see if that goes Mizzou's way as well. It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Well, of course, under the bus to Michigan and and Jim Harbaugh specifically. And it was very interesting how they worded it. Like, they kind of view, the Big Ten themselves views the university as culpable for this whole thing. And even though Jim Harbaugh might or may, may or may not have known about what happened, they're calling Jim Harbaugh the embodiment of the university and therefore... He's serving the suspension. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean. That's kind of how we framed it last, you know, our last segment talking about it. I feel like that's what the Big Ten wants to say is, hey, I don't care what you do. You're, you are Michigan football, Jim Harbaugh. That you are. You're the face of it. If it happened under your watch, whether you knew or not, this is the punishment for that. Every other university, take note. This is how we handle these things. Yeah. I think that's what they're doing. It's, it's very interesting. I mean. I can see both sides of this. I can see the Big Ten saying, look, we got to do something. And I can see Michigan saying, look, we're still investigating. And you're already doing out punishment. But that's just had the, to do it's something. the Astros fan in you. It's the well, Astros no, no, no. They had to do something. That, no, I get it. They did. Yeah, but uh, it, it is what it is. Under the bus. Under the bus. And also. And real quick, yeah. real quick, Andy. Like, normally with these collegiate scandals, it always, two years go by and then Kansas gets a slap on the wrist. That's how these things go. I think the Big Ten is saying we can't afford that to be the president here, and so that's why you're seeing it go the way it goes. You're right, though. Which, it is yeah, fascinating. I mean, there is there is merit to that, uh, but we'll we'll see what comes of this in the future. And then under the bus also to the Mavericks. So you know, how every one of these NBA teams with the in-season tournament now, they're they have these big, elaborate, fancy new court designs. That, right, that kind yeah, of pop a lot, uh, all kinds of big colors, things like that. Well, the Mavericks had a design, but they can't use it yet, apparently, because there's a delay. That, well, it's being delayed because there's a manufacturing defect. Like, the paint is apparently not up to standards for, for NBA what? play. And I... <laughs> Of course this happens with somebody. Um, Is this like Mizzou football not being able to wear white pants or something or whatever the thing was this year that they... There was something, I don't know if it's specific to the white pants, but there was something like a printing issue for one of the uniform parts that has precluded Missouri football from wearing that style for this season. I'll, I'll get the facts on that, but that's kind of what it reminds me of. A manufacturing a defect. A manufacturing defect. Okay. I guess with the... 
with the paint or the floor, something like that. Uh, but either way, they can't use the floor they wanted under the bus for the in-season tournament. How do you feel about that, too? Like, is that? You know, I think it's a. I think I get what they're trying to do is like spice up the regular season because we talk about how it could start on Christmas if they really wanted to, because yeah. it just doesn't matter that much. And I think if you're gonna do that, I saw a suggestion that I thought was really good. Don't paint the courts. Play the games in like historic smaller venues if you want to attract eyeballs and make it interesting like maybe collegiate venues or even like popular high school gyms like think about maybe getting some eyeballs on it that way i'd tune in to see some cool venues that might be a way that they could try to spice it up go to markets that you're not in right and just it could be very that could be a compelling way to do it i think for the nba to get some eyeballs it's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. They have the perfect gifts for your employees and customers this holiday season, anniversary, birthday, any day. The Candy Factory on Cherry Street in downtown Columbia. The Candy Factory Online.com. Well, Mizzou men's basketball sold out today. Mizzou football sold out tomorrow. It really is shaping up like a weekend that could, if both teams get victories, my goodness, the hype around both of these games is palpable, and it all starts tonight. And I, to have a weekend like this and see both teams and both venues fully operational, just sweet to see. You won't be able to contain me if Missouri wins both of these games this weekend. Oh, I will be a complete. I don't expect. I will you. be insane on Monday. It'll be it'll be ridiculous. <laughs> I really hope it happens. Oh, man, it's going to be quite the weekend. Either way, you'll see some compelling matchups and I think some pretty close games both ways. Uh, But uh, it starts tonight. You can hear it with pregame coverage starting at 730 on 105.1 and 1580 KTGR and online at KTGR.com if you're in mid-Missouri to hear Mizzou and Memphis on the uh, basketball floor. And also tomorrow, Mizzou and Tennessee, who you got? And why you got them at Faro Field, top 15 matchup, first top 16 matchup in the AP at Faro Field since 1979. Give us your score predictions at 875-KTGR. Producer Chris is not here, but he somehow still has a moment of the week at 525. And then our picks of the week coming up at 545 on the big show.